Turn with me, if you would, this evening to Ezekiel chapter 15. Ezekiel chapter 15 and verse 23. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara, and so on. We want to look at the account of the children of Israel coming to this place, which was called uh, Mara. And as we do so, we find the children of Israel uh, having bitter waters. We come to nearly 12 years into a new year. Now, many of us can look back over however many years we have been in this world, but even over the last few years, and how many of us can say that we haven't tasted something of bitter water? Even God's people spiritually can be brought into a place where they can say that the waters are bitter. And it's the bitter waters of Mara that we want to look at this evening. Because there is much that we can learn from the account that we have here of these bitter waters being made sweet. And there are three things that we want to look at. First of all, the bitter waters. Secondly, sweet waters. And thirdly, uh, four lessons that uh, we can learn from this account. First of all, bitter waters, sweet waters, and then four uh, lessons that we may take with us as we go out into the world and as providence comes our way. First of all, let us then look at the bitter waters. The children of Israel have been brought through the Red Sea. And now they come down into the wilderness of Shur, and they are three days in the wilderness, and they come to these bitter waters. Now, let us notice, first of all, that these bitter waters come after blessing. Some of the greatest blessings <coughs> that the children of Israel had experienced. If you look at verses 1, right through down to verse 20, uh, to, to 19, including verse 19, you find there is the song of Moses. And in verses 20, 21, you've got Miriam the prophetess taking a timbrel and dancing and, triumph, and, and singing to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, she says in verse 21. The children of Israel has, have just experienced a great blessing. And yet, very shortly after this, within three days, they are now into bitter waters. And then we discover that after the bitter waters, we discover that there's a blessing again. The Lord, the Lord healed, they came to Elam in verse 27, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Now, what do we learn from that? Is it not here a picture of life that we can have great blessings 
We can enjoy these blessings, and then we come in to bitter waters. We can have spiritual blessings, and then we can have into bitter water in, in, in a spiritual way, and then we can be brought back out again into further blessings. It's a picture of life. That's the way it is. Some people think that if you become a Christian, it's all going to be sweet water. Some people think that when God begins to deal with the sinner, it will be, it will be uh, sweet waters. But so often you find in life that there are the sweet waters, the sweet blessings, and then there are the bitter, bless, uh, uh, bitter waters. Now, you discover that this bitter water is in the wilderness of, uh, in the wilderness of Shur. They had been three days in the wilderness. You can only imagine what these three days would have been like. They have been brought out from under, uh, from Egypt. They are, they are singing the praises of God because he has gloriously delivered them and destroyed their enemies. But now they are out into the wilderness of Shur. And there are three days there. How that would be a long three days. It would feel, I am sure, longer than three days. As they were tiring, as it was hot, as it was warm, as they were thirsting. Going out into the wilderness after such a joyous time. But you discover as you go on that this is not an accident of history. This is not an accident, but this is in God's sovereign plan. God has a purpose for them. They need to go through trials, even as God's people. God's people need to go through trials. They need to be proven. They need to be tested. Our faith needs to be tested. When we look at the church today, the church in a day past has had sweet waters. There have been times of great blessing in our country. But now we are coming into bitter waters. And that is as necessary as the sweet waters. In our own lives, the times of blessing and the times of trial are both necessary. They are both necessary. God has a purpose. God is sovereign in bringing them into this place. We are, we are told it was Moses uh, that brought the Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And it was there that God would have them to be. <clears throat> and it was a time of testing, a time of proving. It tells us that in all our trials, and in all our tribulations, in all the difficult times that we go through, God is sovereign. They're not taken out of there by mistake. They haven't taken a wrong turning. God has brought them there, and there is a need that they would be tried and proven and shown what was in their own heart, even at the time. And so the Lord today brings his people through many trials, many tribulations, many bitter waters. And that's true particularly 
when it, you come to look at the waters. When they came to the, the, uh, the, the waters of, 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 of Mara, I'm sure the waters themselves would have looked like any other water. When they, <laughs> they could not drink it, no doubt they tried, and maybe they, they looked at it and they came, and they sought to try. But these were bitter to the taste. These waters were not, would, not, would not sustain them. Very often the seeking soul, the soul who is seeking the blessing of God, comes and tastes of, of many different waters. But they are bitter to the taste. The seeking soul may taste uh, uh, various things to try and satisfy his thirst. But he discovers that none of them will satisfy his thirst, but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the water of life. Here is water that, although it may have seemed okay, was bitter to the taste, and they couldn't take it. And is that not also true of many things of this world? Things that were placed before us in this world, they may of themselves look to be harmless. They may, in fact, look to be just like uh, things that you would, you would be acceptable. But when you taste them, you discover that there is a bitter taste to them. The Christian comes to find that the things of the world has a bitter taste to him. Things that before may have seemed quite acceptable. Things that before may look like other everything else. And yet, these waters become bitter to his taste. In fact, the waters that were there, <clears throat> we are told in, in the, the type of water, not only would it be bitter, they couldn't take it because it would have caused a delirium and may in fact have been fatal to them. And so it is that, that, that the Christian will come to many things, many places, and think that there is something here and they discover that it's that it is bitter to the taste. How often have you perhaps gone on holiday and you've gone to a place of worship and everything may seem and look okay until you hear the preaching of the word and you discover that there is no water of life there. What is being preached and what is being taught is bitter to the taste. You must spit it out. It, 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 it causes a bitter taste to the soul. And so it is that the, the children of Israel now are brought out uh, 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 to these waters and they discover that they are bitter to the taste. What do they do to this, these bitter waters? Well, we discovered they murmured. The people, we are told, murmured against Mo Moses, saying, what shall we drink? How often is that the reaction that uh, the Christian has, even to providence? when providence goes against him and appears to be bitter. They murmur against the Lord. They murmur against Moses. They murmur against God's people. They murmur against the preacher. They forget all that the Lord has done for them in the past. Almost within a short period of time, the children of Israel have forgotten all that God had done for them as they went through the wilderness. What should they have done? They murmured against Moses. What does Moses do? Moses cries to the Lord. In the time when providence 
is bitter to us, it is not for us to murmur against God, murmur against the Lord Jesus Christ, but rather to pray and to cry. We are told that Moses cried unto the Lord. He cried unto the Lord. And, and, and that's the place that prayer has. What a wonderful uh, uh, place, a wonderful example you have of how prayer sweetens the bitterest experience. It is prayer that turns the, the, the uh, tide in, in Mara. It is not murmuring uh, of the people. It is not the murmuring of the people against God's providence. It is not the murmuring of us against God's providence either, even today uh, in terms of uh, what uh, the Lord will do in our nation. We murmur because God's uh, cause is so low. We murmur because the church is so low. We murmur. But my friend, that's not the, the way that the Christian should do. Rather, he should pray. Prayer is the answer. Moses, we are told, he cried unto the Lord. And it is prayer that sweetens very often the bitterest uh, waters. It is prayer. When we are confronting bitter waters, when we are confronting a providence that is difficult, it is prayer that sweetens that providence. It's prayer that is the answer. So that they come to the bitter waters. You see that it's after the blessing. They're along three days out in the wilderness, but it's God's sovereignty. They come to this water that is bitter. Now it is Moses that must lift up his his hand, his, his, his prayer. And notice how they murmur to Moses. What a wonderful place we have when not we murmur to, 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 to Christ, but when we bring our bitter experience to Christ. They're coming to Moses, but we have one who is even greater than Moses to whom we can come because he has already tasted of these bitter waters. He is our great high priest. And if you, you remember what we are, are told, that the Lord says, if he ask anything in my name, I will do it. Moses couldn't do it. They come to Moses. Moses couldn't do it. He had to come to God. But we can come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and he is able to do it. And he will do it as long as it glorifies the Father. Remember, that's always the case. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in me. So, we then find these are the bitter waters. But then you come to the sweet waters, and you discover that relief is not to be found in man. They come to Moses, the man. And they, they, they come to Moses, and Moses comes to God. We, as we have already said, have one, have one who is born of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Whoever, whoever lives to, to, to make intercession for us, who is able himself, because he is a divine person, to bless us, he is able to give us relief. And therefore, we can pray not coming as the people murmured to Moses, but he cried unto Jehovah. 
So it is that we have a greater than Moses. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we've already said, he is able to do it himself. Ask anything in my name. He doesn't say ask anything in my name and I'll ask the Father. He says, ask anything in my name and I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So therefore, Christ is glorified when we come to him in prayer, when we have bitter waters, when we have providences that disturb us, we can come to the Lord Jesus Christ, one who is greater even than Moses. He's able to make the bitter waters sweet. Now, how do we, what do we see with Moses? Moses takes a tree. You see that the, the Lord showed him a tree. This, the Lord showed him a tree. Now, the Jews maintain this tree was itself bitter. The type of tree that was here could, one, one commentator even thinks that it was wormwood. But the Jews themselves and their writers would maintain that these trees that were here in this book were themselves bitter trees. But even if it wasn't a bitter tree, imagine casting a tree into the, the waters of Mara. And this one tree making the whole of the waters uh, sweet, such that it would provide water for the whole of this nation that is now gathered in Mara that has just come out of Egypt. Here is a, uh, here is a tree uh, that is itself bitter, but it is God's work. It is the Lord who has done this. It's the Lord who has shown Moses this tree. And it is the Lord who <coughs> provided this tree. And it is the Lord who gave this tree. Now, my friend, this evening, we look to a tree. We look to a tree. To the tree upon which Christ himself hung. It's the tree of Calvary that we are able to look to this evening. Not to a tree that's been planted and grown at the side of this water. But rather, the, the, the tree of Calvary where Christ was crucified. We are able to look to a tree in the time of the, the bitterest in the bitterest experiences and make that bitter experience sweet. We are able to look to cross at the cross at Calvary, and whatever experience we go through, the cross at Calvary makes the bitter water sweet. Because Christ Himself was Christ Himself was the one who 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 knew what it was to go through all that was set before him. He knew what it was to taste of the bitterest, uh, 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 the bitterest uh, dregs there. The cup that was laid into his hands was a cup that was full of dregs. It was bitter. It was the bitterest cup that you could ever drink. And yet he drunk it to the very dregs. The cup that was there was bitter. He drunk it to the very dregs. And on the cross, he, we have the promises that he has given us, his, the promise of his presence, because through the cross, he rose triumphant over death and the grave. 
So we have the promise of his presence. We have the promise of his healing. We have the promise that no matter what, I will be with you when you pass through the waters. When you have the bitter experience, whatever that bitter experience may be, bring it to the cross at Calvary. There is the answer. That's what makes all our bitter experiences to be uh, sweet. He sweetens them. And notice that he gives them water while they are still in the desert. If you go to, to if you go on to further on, you discover that they came to Elam, where were, there were 12 wells of water. Elam, we are told, are some eight or nine miles away from Mara. But the Lord did not say to them, now turn around and I'll show you where water is. Turn around, leave Mara, go through the wilderness, out of the wilderness of, of, of Shur, and come to Elam, and then you'll get water. The Lord didn't do that. The Lord gave them the sweet water at Mara, where the water was, 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 was to be found. They were in the midst of the same wilderness, the wilderness of Shur. He cast the tree in, which he cast, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. In verse 25. Simply casting this tree into the water made it sweet. And as he made it sweet, they were in the midst of the wilderness of Shur. He didn't take them out of it. And that's the way the Lord deals with us today. We might go through bitter experiences. He may not take us out of the bitter experience. But in the midst of the experience, he changes the waters to be sweet. He, he may leave you in the desert but he still makes the, the, the experience sweet to you because there is his, his, his wonderful purpose in, uh, in, in, in this. And, and when we go through this world, is the world itself not a wilderness journey. It's described for the believer as a wilderness journey. And as you go through this wilderness journey, there are places where you come and you're like in a desert. And you cry out, my soul doth thirst for the living God. And sometimes when you're in these, that, these places, he provides for, he doesn't take you out of the wilderness, but in the midst of the wilderness, he opens up a well, a well, a spring of water, where the Lord Jesus Christ becomes ever more present to you, where the Lord Jesus Christ becomes ever more real to you. And sometimes, and if you look at the children of Israel here, if you look at the, 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 uh, the children of Israel, you, you, I think <coughs> this water in the wilderness would have been the most sweet water that you would have tasted. I remember a, a, a woman, she had given birth to a child. And she was in the hospital. And as she was in the hospital, she had a terrible thirst. And the nurses came in and the nurses went out. Nurses came in, nurses went out. And she didn't want to be a bother to them. And she, she never said. She was too reticent to say anything. Until eventually the thirst became overwhelming. And eventually she said to a nurse, she says, do you think, she says, I could have a drink of water? Oh, she said, the nurse said, 
I'll bring you a bottle of Lucasade. How would that do for you? Oh, she said, that'd be lovely. This woman said, many years later, she said, she can remember to that day drinking the glass of Lucasade in the bed. Such was her thirst. And I think that's the way the children of Israel would be in Mara. The Lord would provide them water and it would taste to them like water had never tasted to them before. And you, is that not the way the believer is with the Lord Jesus Christ? When he comes to taste that the Lord is gracious, he drinks in Jesus Christ as the water of life. And as he drinks in Jesus Christ, he is tasting spiritual water that he has never tasted before. It's like water in a desert place. It's like as though he is now, his thirst is fulfilled. Come unto me, all ye that thirst, and I will quench your thirst. I will give you water that if you drink of this water, the water that I will give to you, you will never thirst again. So it is that they came, and here was the sweet water, and it was to prove them, to show them what was in their own hearts, to show them that within three days, the songs that they were singing had disappeared, and now they were murmuring. And my friends, did that not show the children of Israel truly how the something of the fallen nature of man? So we have the bitter waters, and we have the sweet waters. And then thirdly, we have four lessons to be learned. Four lessons. There are many lessons that we can learn. Uh, uh, about uh, from this. Lessons about themselves, about how quickly they forget the blessing that the Lord has, has given to them. We perhaps, as time goes on, as the years go on, we forget the first time when the Lord blessed us, when he first drew us to, him, uh, to himself. We forget how gracious the Lord was in blessing us, in showing us our own sin, in delivering us out of the flesh pots of Egypt. Yet we murmur. We have to be shown. They learned very quickly how, 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 they would, how they could forget these blessings. And they had to learn something about themselves. And there were many things that they had to learn about themselves. How they had to uh, trust in the Lord. And their need to continually trust in the Lord. Not to trust in them just and singing about how they delivered them out of Egypt but how they had to now depend upon the Lord as he took them through the wilderness. They had to continue depending on him. They could to continue singing his praises. But the second thing is, or there are three things in particular about the Lord. Uh, uh, and that is this, that the Lord himself knew their need. The Lord knew their need. The Lord at this time knew exactly what it was that they, they required as they went through the wilderness. He knew their need better than they knew it themselves. He knew exactly what it was that they would need. They needed to be taught a lesson about themselves. That was one thing. They had to be taught how they had to trust in him. Things that perhaps they would neglect. In, their, in the song of, of, of Moses and the song of Miriam, 
they perhaps would forget that, the, as, that they needed to continue on. They needed to be brought down into this place. But the Lord knew their need. He knew what it was that they would call upon him because he was going uh, he, would, he was going before them. So he knew exactly what they needed even before Moses opened his mouth. Even before Moses came in prayer, God knew what their need was. But he brought them there that they would, and Moses, that Moses would be brought to prayer and to cry out to him. The Lord knew what their need was, but he brought them there that they would come in prayer, that eventually Moses would cry out unto the Lord on their behalf. So they had to know that come to know that the Lord knew their needs. And the Lord secondly met their needs. The Lord met their needs. Do you think that a tree out in this wilderness, exactly where they were, was a tree that was planted there by accident? Is it just that this tree happened to be there? When the children of Israel come along, not at all. Many years earlier, the Lord God had planted that tree by a seed with the, the very purpose of being there at the time when the children of Israel would be needing it. That tree was planted there deliberately. It's like when the, 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 the hook is thrown in and the fish is taken out. and There is the fish with the coin in its mouth. That fish was created and born into this world for that very purpose. God is going before them. God is, is setting it up for, to meet their need. And it's wonderful if you think about the seed that was originally blown into the ground and it began to grow its roots, first coming up through the ground and then fully prepared to meet the needs of his people. And that's the way the cross is, isn't it? That's the way the cross of Calvary is. It's like the, the tree at Calvary. That, is seed, that seed of that tree at Calvary is planted in Genesis. Planted away back in, in, in the covenant of redemption. But in, in, in the revelation of Scripture, it's planted as a tree of life. It is the tree of life that is typified in the garden, the seed of it is sown in Genesis 3, when it speaks of the seed of the, of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. There's the seed. And that begins to grow right down through the Old Testament like roots growing until Christ himself comes. And that tree, the tree when Christ comes, everything up until that point in history, is preparing for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he would suffer and die on that tree, another tree that's been, that has been planted, a tree that has been sawn down, a tree that has been made into a cross, everything coming to the point where the tree that is there would bear fruit. And there was sufficient there to meet the needs of every single one of them. And that one tree, there was sufficient to meet the needs of 
all those who were going to drink of the waters of Mara, because God was preparing it. God had planted the tree. He had watched the tree grow. And now was the time when it would be used to his purpose, that it would be the one, the tree, that would make the, 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 the water sweet. And then finally, <coughs> we find that these were bitter waters of Mara. No matter what bitter waters we may come to, and there are bitter waters that we will have through our lives, no matter what bitter waters we come to, the Lord has prepared the way for his people, for even the bitterest waters to be made sweet. Whatever you go through in life, and even as you come to death, even as you face death, these are the bitterest waters of all. We face death. But yet, the Lord casts in the cross. The Lord casts in the risen Christ. And even the bitterest waters of all are made sweet by the risen Jesus Christ. He has been there before. He has prepared the way. The tree upon which he hung will make even these bitter waters to be sweet. And he will bring you through that. And at the end of the day, the children of Israel drank water. That was water in this world that would have tasted to them so sweet. Yet when we pass through the bitter waters of death, the Lord himself sweetens it by the fact that when we pass through, he is there himself. He is the water of life. He makes even the bitterest passage, the bitterest water, to be sweet. Well then, bitter water, sweet water, and lessons that we learn. We pray that as we think upon these things, that the Lord would bless these thoughts to our soul. Let us join together in prayer. Most gracious and ever blessed Lord, we thank thee for all the blessings that we receive from thy hand. For the times when thou art blessing thy people, as though thou hast brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness journey, bringing them into the land of Canaan, and there enjoying the blessings of that land. We thank thee, O Lord, for all the blessed times, we thank thee, O Lord, for the bitter times that thou thyself will make sweet. Nothing else can make the bitter water sweet. Not even Moses could make the bitter water sweet. But Moses met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the one who was able to make the bitter water sweet. We pray that all the bitter waters that we would face this year would be made sweet through the cross of Calvary. Bless us now, part us in thy freedom with thy blessing. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Psalm 42, from the beginning. Psalm 42. <clears throat> Psalm 42, from the beginning. And we'll sing to the end of the verse, uh, Mark 4. 
like as the heart for water brooks, then thirst doth pant and brave. So pants my longing soul, O God, to come to thee, I may. My soul for God, the living God, doth thirst. When shall I kneel? To thy countenance approach, and then God's sight appear. Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, rest on and abide with you, now and always. Amen.